Our second scripture reading is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll be reading verses 2 through 10 in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And let me get out of Matthew where my sermon notes were and over into 2 Corinthians where they should be. 2 Corinthians 12. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told. That no mortal is permitted to repeat. On behalf of such a one, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. But if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated, Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. What an inter interesting scripture from 2 Corinthians, one that I've not preached on during my time at Olive Branch Fellowship. We find Paul in a most uncomfortable personal circumstance. It is evident that there are those in Corinth who are trying to discredit him, even some who have infiltrated the church, if you will, that are now discrediting Paul. And for the last couple of chapters in 2 Corinthians, he's been trying to answer his critics. And to do this, he's been revisiting his credentials, which, which he does from time to time in these letters, but something that is apparently not too comfortable for him. And ju just like most of us, I mean, if somebody asks you to brag about yourself, it, it just doesn't feel quite right to be saying good things about ourselves because we kind of say, well, we're not supposed to brag about ourselves. And that's where we pick it up in chapter 12. He speaks of another person whose scripture says was called up into the third heaven. And in all of this description, he appears to be describing someone who has experienced some type of ecstatic experience or some sort of otherworldly vision. Now, most scholars will agree that Paul was speaking here of himself. But because of his humility, he was really uncomfortable speaking of himself in these terms. But it's the last part of this passage that typically gets the most attention, and that's where I'll put the attention this morning as well. It is a phrase that most of us have heard, and in fact, many may have used to describe our own situations. Paul writes that he has been given a thorn in the flesh. 
in order to keep him from being too elated. Maxine, the message says to keep him from getting the big head. <laughs> to keep him humble, if you will. It can do it. So we have this incredible self-disclosure from Paul. He writes, to keep me from being too elated, to keep me from getting the big head. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from getting the big head. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that, is, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. This morning, I want us to consider the following synopsis of Paul's self-disclosure, and that is, although thorns hurt, God doesn't always remove them, but it's for our own good. So first, look, let's look at some thorny issues. Let's face it, folks. Quite frankly, thorns hurt. If you don't believe me, just come up and pick up this cactus by grabbing it from the top. Don't think that's going to happen. Max, a while ago, just at the very end, just put his little finger there. And, ooh, you know, it's, it's that temptation that's there. Uh, he knew it. We know it. Thorns are pokey. They hurt. Now, when it comes to this passage, there is one question that always seems to be on people's minds. And what is that? What was his thorn? That's it, Maxine. What was Paul's thorn in the flesh? And probably every biblical scholar, every person that's ever read this passage, wonders what that thorn was and have speculated. Some, most notably John Calvin, have proposed that the thorn was a spiritual temptation. That Paul was tempted to shirk his responsibilities as an apostle. Others speculate that it might be other types of temptation, some even a temptation of the flesh that persecuted Paul. And Paul does describe it as a messenger of Satan. Luther's view was that it was the constant opposition and persecution that Paul had to endure. And in fact, I mean, this portion of this letter is addressing that very opposition that he faced. Some suggest the thorn was Paul's physical appearance, that he was disfigured in some way. Others say it might have been some sort of physical ailment. We know from other parts of his writing that something was going on with his eyesight. Some speculate that it was epilepsy. Others say with authority that it was persistent headaches. I, I don't know. I mean, why? You know, it's like, but that's what it was persistent headaches. William Barclay wrote, By far the most likely thing is that Paul suffered from chronically recurrent attacks of a certain virulent malarial fever which haunted the coasts of the eastern Mediterranean. Malaria. So, which one was it? A temptation, opposition, persecution, disfigurement, eye problems, headaches, epilepsy, malaria, we don't know. We don't know. And that's the beauty of Paul's writing. It's probably a good thing that he did not identify the thorn because, you know, thorns come in many forms, many types of thorns. And if Paul had identified it, we most certainly would have, been vil would have vilified anyone and everyone who had that same thorn. Instead, he allows speculation. 
And what I think is interesting is that there is so much speculation as to what the thorn was because when it comes down to it, all thorns have one thing in common. They hurt. Whether you get snagged by a thorn walking in the woods or whether you get pricked by one on this cactus, thorns hurt. Sometimes I'm afraid that we focus so much on what Paul's thorn might have been that we lose sight of the bigger picture. We miss the point. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and it is virtually a certainty that you and I do too. So Paul doesn't identify the thorn. We're not restricted then to any particular list of thorns. It should be enough for us to say, you know what? All of us have thorns. And it might be that if we would stop and think about this more often, it would allow us to treat each other and those outside these walls with a little bit more compassion. I mean, what makes me the way that I am? What makes you the way that you are? Why do people respond differently in similar situations? Why do people behave the way they do? Why do people say the things they do? All of us have thorns. And thorns hurt. What if we viewed others and each other in those terms? knowing that all of us hurt from time to time. Paul writes that he had a thorn in the flesh and that he asked God to remove the thorn, not once, not twice, but three times Paul pleads with God to remove the painful thorn. But guess what? God doesn't always remove the thorns. Now something about that just doesn't sound right, does it? Think about it. God doesn't always remove the painful thorns from our lives. But Paul asked. I mean, ask and you shall receive. Paul asked three times, and this is the Apostle Paul that we're talking about. But God said no. I love the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. When channel surfing, if I ever come upon one, Martha and Laura will tell you I will watch it from that point to the end while Martha probably rolls her eyes. One of my favorite lines from the first one is the following exchange between Elizabeth and Barbosa. Elizabeth says, Captain Barbosa, I'm here to negotiate the cessation of hostilities against Port Royal. And Barbosa, the old crusty captain, says, there are a lot of long words in there, miss. We're naught but humble pirates. What is it that you want? Elizabeth says, I want you to leave and never come back. Barbosa says, I'm disinclined to acquiesce to your request. Means no. I love it. Sometimes God says no. The problem for us is that we don't live in a no world. We live in an age when we don't want to take no for an answer, ever. We live in a world where we expect our every request 
to always be fulfilled in the timely manner that we desire. Choir just sang a song based on the Jeremiah scripture that says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. In my opinion, that scripture has been abused throughout the years to imply that God will always remove our thorns and will always say it's okay. God certainly does know the plans he has for us, yet it doesn't mean that we will live a life free of thorns. You may have heard Andy speak of this in Bible study or me speak of what is called the prosperity gospel. Listen to a good definition from Wikipedia. Prosperity theology, sometimes referred to as the prosperity gospel, is a religious belief among some Christians who hold that financial blessing and physical well-being are always the will of God for them, and that faith, positive speech, and donations to religious causes will increase one's material wealth. Prosperity theology views the Bible as a contract between God and humans. If humans have faith in God, he will deliver security and prosperity. No. No, that's simply not true. Don't believe it. I mean, Paul is exhibit A. If anyone in history deserved financial blessing and physical well-being because of what they said and did for the cause of Christ, Paul should be first in line. Folks, I'm here to tell you, Anytime you hear a preacher tell you that if you will just give enough money or have enough faith and give enough money or do enough good deeds and give enough money, please, please run in the other direction. There is no such contract that says that if we are faithful that God will deliver any type of security and prosperity. My friends, God has already delivered. It's done. Once and for all, when Jesus Christ died on the cross and was resurrected, deliverance was provided. Case closed. It's not a matter of me showing more faith in order to have less pain in my life. That's just not the way it works. In fact, it might just be that the more faithful I try to be, the more thorns that show up in my life. Let's be clear about this. God does not always remove our pain. And it would appear that Paul had come to that realization and was good with it. Thorns are painful. And even though it may be hard to understand, sometimes thorns are not removed. But it's for our own good. Listen to Paul's words again. God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, because of this, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities for the sake of Christ, for whenever I'm weak, then I am strong. 
got to tell you, when we think about it, I'm not sure there are any more powerful words in all of Scripture. Let it sink in. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfect in your weakness. I don't have to remove the thorn from you. But my grace will cover the pain of the most painful thorn that you will ever experience. And so we see what Paul really likes to brag about. What he really gets the big head about. He says, if we're going to get the big head, if we're going to boast... This would be my biggest boast. I will brag about my weaknesses because I know that God's grace is made more abundant in my life because of my weaknesses. And so I'm okay with it. I've made peace with my thorns. In fact, I'm content because I know whenever I'm weak, I'm strong. I'm strong in Christ. I'm strong through God's grace in my life. I'm strong in His sufficiency for me. I'm strong in His power. So I don't care what thorns come at me. Weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. I am weak, but he is strong within me. And therefore I'm strong too. Paul learned to live with his weaknesses because he experienced God's grace and mercy and sufficiency in his life. So, of course, the question I come to is, what about us? We've all got thorns. I've known some of you for a long time, and we could probably list each other's thorns, couldn't we? But wouldn't that really be missing the point? Instead, might it be that we, as a church, especially as we prepare for a transition, keep in mind that thorns hurt. Everyone hurts from time to time, that we keep in mind that God doesn't always remove the thorns. He doesn't always remove our hurt, but that His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in all of our weaknesses. And because of our thorns that are not removed, the power of Christ is able to dwell within us, and therefore... Whenever we are weak, through Him, we're really strong. It's kind of amazing when you think about it. Might we call it amazing grace? Let's pray.